by JCW's The Burger Boys is live on BYU TV wherever and however you're connected. Great to have you with us in Studio C. I am Spencer Linton sitting in for Greg Rebell and have the privilege of welcoming assistant head coach Ed Lamb back to Studio C after a winning weekend in Amherst, Massachusetts. How's the jet lag, coach, after a long trip home? No jet lag wasn't bad. We got back at a decent hour. A lot of our trips in the past, we, we can get home at 2, 3 in the morning, and, and we got home about 8.30 or 9 o'clock. Now, just recapping what BYU has done on the road this year, trips to Tampa, to Toledo, Knoxville, now Amherst, Massachusetts. What does this do for your brand playing all over the country? One of the cooler things from our perspective is that uh, we, you know, we often will outdraw the, the opponent's fans. Uh, certainly wasn't the case at Tennessee, but we had a big group of BYU fans at Tennessee, and so it's it's really cool to make plays, to win games, and to hear to hear our fans kind of take over the stadium with their cheers <laughs> and their cheers. Now, a win is always number one on your list of desired accomplishments. You take care of that against UMass, fifty-six twenty-four. What else do you feel like your team accomplished in that thirty-two point win in Massachusetts? Well, right now, right now, Coach Satake said during the week. You know, basically challenge the guys. We, we've been we've been east before, failed. We felt like we were uh, favored. Felt like we had a chance to win, failed, and uh, and did that two weeks in a row. We'll never get those games back, but we have an opportunity to to learn from it and prove that we can be better. And I, and I thought that from that perspective, the boys stepped up and and took care of business. So they played hard. They played well. They executed well, particularly in the first half, and got a ton of guys in the game. Every guy that was on the trip stepped on the field. And that's always a great feeling. Yeah, a record-setting second quarter, 42 points. We'll get into the particulars of that in a little bit. But now you look at five straight wins for BYU football. How has this win streak changed the culture of the staff and the locker room? Well, I think um, one of the things that, that uh, on a winning streak, and, and usually for, in football that's three games, right? Uh, we don't play very many. So three games, that's a, that's a pretty sustained level of success. And, and when we reach that three games, I really felt like that the challenge of, at that point would be to fight division from within. You know, because at that point you start to get new challenges. There's all the confidence that's needed is there, but there's kind of like there starts to be some new challenges, like who gets the credit, you know, and how much should we be winning by, and can we continue to sustain the type of effort and focus that's needed to continue to win? And and from that perspective, I feel like we're doing well, and I feel like the locker room's in a healthy place, but we have to really be alert uh, for the pitfalls of, of a win streak. How do you account for that? I mean, what kind of exercises do you go through to prevent uh, a slack off, if you will? Well, I think, um, I think you know, Kalani does a really good job, and, and I think every year has grown in the area of, you know, we have a, a playbook for offense, a playbook for defense and special teams, but then we also have a cultural playbook, a team playbook, if you will, and that, and that uh, he's the one that, that on a daily basis, uh, visits with the whole team and talks about those type of things. What are our current challenges? What are we trying to overcome? What can we accomplish this week? What are the threats to our continued success? And you want to take away a lesson from every game, and it's nice to learn through winning, especially a 32-point win when you score 49 points in the first half. But what did you learn about your team in game number 11 that maybe you didn't know up to this point? Oh, that's a great question. I, probably first and foremost, I think most of our staff would agree. We we got some young players. Uh, we got to see some young players in the game that haven't had that opportunity before, and so it's it's just impossible to duplicate in a in a scrimmage 
what we'll see in a game. And uh, when players are playing against other guys that they don't know personally, a new type of uh, a new type of performance comes out. And then there's, the only way to find out is to have them in a real game. And so we get to see some of our young guys in a real game and evaluate their performance and make some you know some predictions, some hopes for what their careers might be. You know, it felt like just about everybody that traveled got on the field at some point, which is a very unique situation. So which of those reserve players that saw a majority of the time after halftime surprised you in a good way? Well, I would say that, it, I mean, obviously McChesney and, and uh, Tyler Algier are getting a lot of um, fanfare for their performances, and I don't want to take anything away from that, but when you say surprise, like there was no surprise there. And a lot of our coaches really believed in those guys. They were in there in that moment for a reason. And, and the fact that they've been playing behind other players who are competent too doesn't really take away from what our expectations were. But Hayden Livingston probably made the most surprising play. He's kind of had some ups and downs as a young player playing in his, in his uh, freshman year. And then, and then for him to make that stop on third and goal, and give us an opportunity to make a fourth and goal stop uh, was a huge play for him. I think for his confidence, uh, right there. Oh, man, that's uh, one of the top five defensive plays all year when you're talking about what Hayden Livingston did. And I know it's against UMass, and, and this, there's always this mental trap, per se, when you're taking on a team that's 1-10. But it became very clear to me talking with the players and the coaches that you were not going to approach this game like, oh, well, we should win. So how, how did you do that? How, how did you keep you guys focused on the task at hand? I mentioned it before. I think, I think Kalani set the table early in the week, like the comparisons. We, we can't go back and play Toledo again. We can't play South Florida. And to, to even insinuate that that's the same program as, as UMass, it's, it's not the case. But there are some similarities. Going uh, from west to east, um, significant change in, in time zone. Playing a day game, all those things are, are challenges. You know, for us, uh, the Utah time that we're used to getting up at, the pregame meal was like at, at six in the morning. You know, wake up <laughs> calls before that, so there are a lot of challenges there. And though, I think that's more specifically what he was um, talking about. And I thought, thought the guys just rose to the occasion. We're a, right now we're a battle-hardened, season-hardened team, and we, you know, there's some challenges to keep that going. We got to pay attention to those. As you look at the course of a season. And, and you think, man, we've learned a lot of lessons. We've gone through a lot of things. Does it kind of feel like you almost had to experience the lows against Toledo and South Florida to get this product? I mean, is that is that too simplified of an ideology, or, or do you, are you buying into something like that? No, I, I think, um, yeah, regretfully so. Yeah, we, we obviously we have to own the results, and and we had we had to because we did learn that lesson that way, and. Um, and we, we could have, should have done a better job and not needed to learn a lesson through a loss, and that's what the great teams do. Um, you know, whether we can finish it, you know, fans and media will never really care about, you know, how you end the season, total record, did you finish as a great team? Well, you have to have a great record, and we're not going to be undefeated. We're not, we're not going to be one of the all-time great records in, in the history of college football. But can we finish as a great team and, and most importantly in our own eyes, make improvements to feel like that we finish and played our 11th and 12th and 13th game as a great team. You know, that's, our, that's our goal. And you have an opportunity to win six games in a row, and we'll get into the specifics of San Diego State coming up on Coordinator's Corner. But take us inside, because like you said, the, the fans and the media, we're left outside, and we, we don't kind of see the, the wheels turning and the, the nitty-gritty inside. But what happened, specifically for the staff after the South Florida loss, that has changed everything? 
Well, I would say the biggest change always comes from the leadership, and, and Kalani's the leader, and he made, he made significant changes that week in the way that we collaborate, uh, offense, defense, and special teams, and he made, uh, made new demands, and I, and I thought maybe more than any of those specific changes um, you know, that were made, I, I thought he took um, ownership and, and charge and became uh, more of the leader that he's, that he's destined to become through time. You know, coaches, coaches learn, players learn over time, and he, he continues to get better. And, and I thought that was just a, a huge step forward for our whole program. Great stuff with that, Lamb, thus far. A friendly programming reminder, BYU football with Kalani Satake airs Tuesdays at 8.30 Eastern, 5.30 Pacific on the BYU TV app, and Wednesdays at 1 Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on BYU TV. Coming up, the offensive and special teams MVPs of the week. Hear them from the coach's mouth. You're in Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Algier vacates. The throw goes to Algier in the left flat. Makes the catch at the 40, 45, and 50. 45 at UMass, 40, 35, 30. Down the boundary he goes. Stays in bounds, 20, 15, 10, 5, and touchdown! Tyler Algier from running back to linebacker. Back to running back, getting the Cougars on the board in Amherst. 7-0 at that point. Welcome back to Coordinator's Corner live on BYU TV from Studio C. Spencer Linton here with BYU football assistant coach Ed Lamb. Defensive coordinator Elisa Tuiaki will join us in about 20 minutes. Now, right now, we'll continue our recap of BYU football's 56-24 win at UMass as the Cougars move to 7-4 and and win a fifth straight game. Now, Coach Lamb, due to numerous injuries in the running backs group, Tyson Williams, Sione Fina, the latest with that unfortunate season-ending ACL tear, the staff called upon Tyler Algier, guy that you work with in the linebacker group. Um, what would you think of his performance as a running back on Saturday? Oh, I'm so proud of him. I, I don't. I mentioned before. I don't think any of our coaches were surprised. I mean, he was in there for a reason, and, and the offense moved him back to running back for a reason. They needed him, and they know that he has ability and talent. I think playing some defense was. Uh, a, a good way for him to learn a little bit more about offense and a little bit more about himself, grow some confidence. But I speak to the team once a week uh, just from an overall kind of team standpoint, and one of the things I was telling our players is that all of you guys have abilities and potential that we as coaches don't know yet. It just it takes time for coaches to learn what their players can do. And Tyler's a great example of a guy that, that uh, during that time where we were still trying to figure out a, a, an increased role for him, he found a way to contribute on the field. Six carries, 38 yards, the one catch, and it was a dynamic one, 57 yards and a touchdown later in front of those hardy BYU fans over there to watch in Massachusetts. Is this a temporary move for Algier the remainder of the season, or is this additional position switch to running back something that will continue, you think, into 2020? He's a running back linebacker for us right now and for the foreseeable future. And, and that will never change. If, if we need him more on one side of the ball or the other, then he goes to that side. And I think, you know, at some point uh, we're going to have the depth probably, or we hope to have the depth where he can, he can move into staying on one side of the ball. There are some advantages to that right now, uh, uh, some advantages to that. But right now the best advantage for our team is to have him available at both spots. Now, he plays with the physicality, and I can't help but think about a guy like Diane Gawoloku. And there, there's this mentality that those guys have. What is it? What's the special sauce that makes them enjoy the contact? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's certainly not something you can take in pill form. Or, um, and, and I think uh, it's, it's probably a combination of so many factors, right? The way a guy grows up, uh, his successes and failures and setbacks and, and hardships and and uh, and then coaches too. I think I think we can inspire players to play more physical, to like 
contact to be more confident in their ability to be contact players, but he is one of our best contact players. And a few more burgers can't help the contact, right? And that's uh, a perfect time to remind you that dinner after the game at JCW's includes something for everybody. From burgers to wings, shakes to salads, JCW's quality and a lot of it in Lehigh American Fork, Provo, South Jordan, and now open in Harriman. Coach, BYU's offense scores 42 points in the second quarter on six touchdowns. What happened to produce that type of onslaught just before halftime? Uh, offense, I think, uh, found their rhythm. And I mentioned some challenges about playing that time of day, that many time zones away. Uh, you know, just there were some timing issues early on, on on offense and defense and special teams too, for that matter. But, uh, you know, it's not as apparent sometimes when defense and special teams hit their stride. The offense really hit their stride and uh, were connecting and uh, nearly nearly flawless on, on those uh, in that quarter. I mean, you look at the numbers just in the second quarter alone. Yeah, 42 points. 108 rushing yards, 162 passing yards, three for three on third downs, 12 first downs in the second quarter. How do you maintain something like that, knowing that a tougher defense is coming in San Diego State? Uh, well, yeah, that you know, I don't think the players really look at it that way. I don't, I don't think that they really look at any opponent and see uh, who's who's better, who's worse, become more emboldened against uh, uh, teams that, that don't appear to be playing well. I think it's, if anything, I think it's the opposite. I think players get excited to play uh, who's playing well and test themselves against the very best. And San Diego State's certainly proven to be one of the very best defenses in the country this year. Assistant head coach Shed Lamb with us on Coordinator's Corner. Your colleague Jeff Grimes named Zach Wilson the offensive MVP this week. Hard to argue with 85% completion percentage, 17 of 20, four touchdowns, no interceptions. What did you think of Zach's performance against UMass? Uh, well-deserved award. I, I thought it, you know his, his performance speaks for itself. I don't, I don't know that I could add anything to that other than you know, from a team perspective, the way he went out at Toledo. Uh, throwing the interception, but but making the tackle on the one-yard line. Um, and that's something that our whole team can get behind. Those the guys on defense and special teams protect that end zone with everything they've got. And to see Zach go over and make that tackle, um, you know, he was he was out temporarily. He's back now, and he's got the whole team behind him because he's that type of leader. Well, Zach told me after the game his thumb feels great, 100%. He says his shoulder feels stronger than it ever has since it was surgically repaired over the summer. Is Zach back? Yes, Zach's back as far as I'm concerned, absolutely. If he, whatever he says, I believe. I'm a believer. All right, on to special teams now. And uh, I know you're always talking about complete, or competing rather in the three phases of the game. Wh- who gets your special teams award this week and why? Uh, well, we had uh, the, the player of the game um, on special teams was Austin Confenses because what he did throughout the whole game, he – he caused a fumble on kickoff, uh, at least partly. Two guys hit him at the same time, Coy Harris and Austin. Uh, but he also um, had a tackle and um, just overall played a really solid game in, in all the special teams. Max Tooley, uh, throughout the years, has been one of our, our most courageous cover guys. He just throws his body around down the field, did a great job. He got our top rock award, which usually goes to the top coverage player of the game. And then Isaiah Kafusi for his work on kickoff return. Uh, another, Yet another starter who takes his role on special teams uh, with all seriousness and, and does a great job being a leader for us out there. Now, we saw a video surface of Max Tooley last week of him posting his first tweet on the social media platform of doing a windmill dunk. I didn't, I didn't know that he was that type of freakish athlete, but apparently he's, uh, he's a pretty good basketball player too. He is. Max is explosive. I've, I only know of two 
linebackers that are also punt gunners. Your punt gunner is normally the fastest guy on the team, and, and both of them are here. Zane Anderson and Max Tooley is our starting uh, punt gunner on the, on the left side. So if he couldn't really run, he's, he's all the boys will tell you, he's one of the fastest guys on the team and very explosive, and obviously it shows up on, on his basketball, I guess. I, I, I haven't seen the, t- the tweet. Is that how you would say it? <laughs> oh, yeah, you haven't seen the tweet. Okay, I will, I will tweet the tweet at you. Uh, in some fashion, I'll text it to you. How about okay, that? yeah, that, is that cool? That'd be clutch. Is that old school, <laughs> an old school text message. Yeah. All right, join us on BYU Radio for Cougar pregame live Saturday night, seven Eastern, four Pacific, as we get you set for BYU's regular season finale at San Diego State. An old whack Mountain West Conference rival is renewed. Up next, Coach Lamb gives us his thoughts on the eight and three Aztecs and his roadmap to victory. In San Diego, you're in the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. A straight stretch handoff to McChesney. Good burst by Jackson to the second level. He's bouncing off tacklers to the 30, to the 20. He'll take it to the house. 10-5 touchdown. Jackson McChesney, 44-yard touchdown run. You're in the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Jackson McChesney's 228 yards, the sixth most of any running back in a single game at BYU. Assistant head football coach Ed Lamb with me in Studio C. Coach, uh, you got to see a lot of Jackson McChesney on Saturday. What was the best part of his performance from your perspective? I think probably for all of us, the personal part of seeing a player come come back off a mission, obviously part of his recruiting, see him come back off a mission, see him work through the minor injuries that always occur for a guy fresh off a mission, and then and then now to be full speed and contributing like this. He's gained a lot of muscle during the season, which is which is rare. He's built low to the ground. He has elite speed and uh, really good balance, and so it was just a great. A great uh, moment for all of us to see anytime any player steps up and makes a makes an increase in their contribution level and, and uh, really excited to see what Jackson did. I just about broke another one late in the fourth quarter and was tripped up and some of his teammates were giving a hard time about that but he, he told me after the game yeah my speed's definitely not there yeah. so I mean if he's doing that what, what are we going to see when he is 100 yeah, percent he's he's powerful and like I said built low to the ground and powerful so right now he's running with a lot of push off and I think his speed's probably better than he thinks but his running form will improve his knees will pick up a little bit more he'll step out of one or two of those tackles that uh, brought him down on Saturday um, 15.2 yards per carry my notes have that as excellent. <laughs> That's pretty. We'll take that. Yeah. I'd like him to repeat that this week. Yeah. Man, that would be a feat against San Diego State, which we will now turn our collective thoughts to. Because the Cougars and Essex are meeting for the first time since the Poinsettia Bowl back in 2012. And, and I mentioned this earlier. The competition level is undoubtedly going to go up. We're talking about one of the top rush defenses in the country, I believe just behind Utah. Uh, what's your scattering report on the 8-3 and three Aztecs at this point? Oh, uh, a big challenge for us. Love the way that they play, play football. You can just, just by looking at their scores, I think if you understand football, you know what kind of team they are. They will, they will not really allow a team to run away from them very often. They play good, solid defense. They don't turn the ball over on offense. They run the ball. They're an old-fashioned huddle uh, team, and so they're running the play clock as well. And to beat San Diego State, a team has to be completely on point in all phases of the game. What's the key to finding success against the number two rush defense and one of the top scoring defenses in the country? 
Uh, the, the first part about that is, you know, in, in baseball or basketball, you would never take a 10 or 11 game stat line and start to say that that's going to be the pattern throughout the whole season, right? In football, we all make the big mistake of doing that. So number one is we don't go in there afraid to run the football. They haven't played BYU yet. We haven't played San Diego State yet. So the way that matchup happens is all determined this week and has nothing to do with the stats that are currently on the board. Based on what San Diego State has done offensively, they've been in a lot of tight games, a lot of close scoring games. This kind of feels like it very well could come down to a kick. And I want to talk about your kickers, specifically Jake Oldroyd and Skyler Southam. How are their respective confidence levels at this point of the season? Yeah, I think Jake's, uh, Jake's working through some, some uh, performance issues right now, some confidence issues, and uh, obviously started off the season much better production than, than he's had lately. And so uh, an area that we have to improve, and there's a lot of different ways to improve. One thing that I'm pleased about is I feel confident about Jake's future, whatever that is, um, because he's still kicking the ball with great pop. It's still got great, uh, great trajectory off of his foot. I mean, he's, he's not snap hooking the ball or, or pushing the ball um, uh, super wide. He, he's, he's fairly close to his target right now. There's some small things that we have to continue to get better at with our snap, hold, and kick. And, uh, and obviously, we've got a, a very good kicker in Skylar Southam who, who deserves every opportunity to compete and contribute as well. And so that's what we've got to work through this week. What's the mental approach when you are dealing with a player that is having some confidence issues, given that, I mean, he had an incredible start to a season, but now, now he's kind of overthinking some things. So how do you approach that mentally as his coach? Well, from a technical standpoint, it, usually with, with kickers, it's about pointing out inconsistencies. So uh, last week we went back, I went back and looked at a video from earlier in the season, both in his punting and his kicking, because he, he's, you know, he has been up and down in both of those areas, and just pointed out some, some things that have changed a little bit. And these guys are really like, like any skill sport player, a batter, a golfer, a kicker, a punter. I mean, they know their craft, and especially the way they do their craft, a lot better than any coach could know. Right. I mean, who who can teach Tiger Woods golf? Right. But the job of the coach is to point out inconsistencies, to make suggestions, to give feedback. And so we continue to do that. And then and then there's some onus on him as well. And we have to have just competition is a great way to bring out the best. How similar is reviewing a kicker's style and inconsistencies there compared to reviewing, like, let's say, your own personal golf swing? Yeah. Well, I think it's really similar because, it, it, and you and I have golfed together, the frustrating thing about any type of uh, swing or skill sport is we can know exactly what we're doing wrong and continue to duplicate that mistake. <laughs> <laughs> right? and, and then when we, we finally make the decision, that's the mistake I'm not going to make, then, then some other mistake uh, you know, becomes the problem. So it's, there's a lot of different planes going on right there, a lot of different dynamics, a lot of different ge- geometry, and, and really we just have to, to stick with him, show confidence in his long-term ability. And we're committed to Jake long-term, and he will be a great kicker here. How would you explain the overall vibe of the team right now after five straight wins, knowing that – you know, a really tough road challenge is going to happen against San Diego State. I think I'll find a, a lot about that uh, this afternoon. I think it's always day-to-day with a group of young young players, young guys, and it's, a, it's always a new evaluation. So on Monday, we'll determine how they practice, what their concentration focus level is in the meetings and the practice and effort level, and then on Tuesday it'll be a new evaluation, and we need every day to be as good as it can be. Depth is always a buzzword. And you want depth because you, you don't want much fall off from your ones to your twos and your twos to your threes. Where is BYU in that realm in terms of where you want to be as a program? I think that's one of the reasons we've gotten a lot better is our depth is young. 
And so young guys learn at a faster rate than older veterans do. And then they're going to come into the season a little less prepared than an older veteran would. But they also have a, a long runway out in front of them. And I think our, our team, the depth of our team, uh, the quality of the depth has really improved. We got quickly in, in this last game, we got quickly into our third units on, uh, on defense and uh, on some of the offensive positions as well. So that was great to see guys, not just backups getting quality playing time, but backups to the backups. And uh, from what I've gathered, you got you got some work to do, and you're excited to do that work with those young guys. Absolutely, yeah. We can we can feel great about all of our play calls and how well they were working in the in the first half. But really, it's about players. It always is, and so a great reminder for us too that we've got to be we've got to be better coaches. We've got to improve our players, and we've got to improve our ability to coach in every phase. All right, let's finish with this. And you've mentioned some some keys already, but let's kind of summarize it up. What what are the keys to beating San Diego State and making it six in a row? Uh, number one, we, if the game is tight, we have to feel comfortable in that in that position, and uh, and that we, we haven't had that now for a couple of weeks, and uh, we need we need to feel very good about our ability to finish and close. Um, it doesn't have to be tight. We don't have to make it tight. There's nothing in the rule book that says we have to make it close, but we have to recognize that our opponent this week is very good at keeping the game close. Coach, great to talk with you and have you back on Coordinator's Corner. Thanks for letting me hang out, man. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not. I'm trying not to get too comfortable, so uh, I know Greg will be back to do this again, but uh, it's great to have the opportunity. Yeah, great to visit with you, Spencer. All right. Watch Countdown to Kickoff live on BYU TV this Saturday, 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific. I'll be live in San Diego on the sidelines with David Nixon, Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, Tanner Mangum, and Mitch Matthews will compose our studio team. Countdown to Kickoff this Saturday. 8 p.m. Eastern. Coming up, defensive coordinator Elisa Tuiaki addresses BYU's first half defensive dominance at UMass, plus his thoughts on how the reserves perform. More Coordinator's Corner right after the break. You're in the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. It is my pleasure to now welcome in BYU Defensive Coordinator Elisa Tuiaki to Studio C. Coach, how you feeling after a long flight home, but a winning weekend against UMass? Yeah, always, always good to win, so happy to be back, happy to be on. Right, looking fresh, five straight wins. Um, BYU puts together one of the more memorable first halves in recent memory, 49 nothing. Could have been 52 nothing if that field goal doesn't hit the upright from Jake Oldroyd. But let's, uh, let's break up your thoughts into two halves. What what'd you think of your first team defense specifically in the first half? Um, I thought it was stellar. <clears throat> you know, I thought, uh, I thought that they played, uh, I mean, exactly as we have anticipated. I thought that we could get out there and, and really get after them. And I mean, we went into halftime. We always look at the stats. And, uh, I mean, they had three three yards passing and 13 yards rushing. And we were really excited about where we were at and thought that it would be a good time to pull a lot of guys out and, and get some young guys some experience after that. Well, that certainly happened. Now, I know it's UMass. It's no secret UMass has struggled mightily this year. But you still have to go out and execute and do your assignments, and it felt like BYU really did that in the first. Yeah, game. you know, you you you, uh, you really just got to focus on yourself. Whether a team is playing really well on the other side of the ball, or whether they're not playing well, it's really uh, no concern of yours. The concern of yours is to make sure that you get out there and and play to the best of your ability. Make sure that your kids are executing, and make sure that. Uh, we're, we're playing well on our side of the ball, and I thought that we did in the I mean, first half. 31 total yards, a couple of takeaways. That's that's crazy. Oh, okay. 
Those stats are a little bit different from the ones that we saw in the first half, but that's, should, it's still good. That's that's really really good. You should go with the ones that you want to. You know what? I think it was 13 total yards rushing. So it was 13? Okay. That's what the sheet showed when we were at halftime. So. Okay. Very good. Hey, hey. like I said, you use what's convenient for you. Um, now, it was a unique opportunity for a lot of your young guys to get in in the second half. And their inexperience understandably showed. But how would you assess that opportunity overall for those guys to come in and, and how did they perform? Yeah, I, I, you know, there was uh, th- there were a lot of things that needed to be improved, you know, and uh, I think that when you have those opportunities, it's always, it's always, uh, I mean, there's always mixed feelings, right? Like you'd like to pitch a shutout, you like to keep them down, and, uh, you know, you like to trust that the other guys coming in can do it, um, but it's also you really want to just continue to remind yourself in the middle of the game that there are guys that are getting reps that um, when you come back on, on on Monday and watch film with them, you're saying, hey, you know what, this is what we talked about leading up in the week, you know, and this is uh, these are some of the mistakes that showed back up that maybe maybe you showed up in practice that you've got to tighten up. And the speed of the game, no matter who you're playing, the speed of the game is always going to be a little bit faster than what they anticipate. Um, you know, certain angles that, that – uh, uh, missed tackles happen, all, all those things. I mean, there's a lot of really, really good things that you get by getting those guys in because this, they're going to be your future eventually. And so we've got to, I mean, those reps for those guys to get is really, really important for them to have. Now, you have a lot of film to watch on a lot of guys because of this game. Which of your less experienced players stood out in your film review? You know, a couple of the young safeties and maybe the safeties that had some playing time early in the year that – that um, um, got back in basically with the backups and with the twos and threes. Uh, you know, Hayden Livingston, Hayden Livingston had a, a big time stop on a, on a third down that put us in fourth down and we got out of that drive. JJ made a, made a TFL on that one, which got us out. And so it was really, really, uh, I think it was an important moment for him, an important moment for his development to come up and have a physical stop like the one that he had. Um, in that moment, and so I mean, Hayden's really sticks out to me. But I mean, there's there's certain guys in there. Ben Bywater had a, had a ton of reps, a ton of mistakes. But those are all the ones that, when he's a little bit more mature and he's seeing young kids making the same mistakes, that he can kind of poke fun at and say, oh, <laughs> "Rookies, yeah, I've been there before." <laughs> you know, getting yelled at. Yeah, yeah, I'm about to, you know, head coach about to bite my head off on some of the mistakes that are just. You know, um, you think that they're they're simple. You think they're elementary, but when you're in the moment and and bullets are flying all over the place, there's certain things that you that you forget. And uh, I mean, all technique goes out the window. I remember the first fight that I had. Um, you know, you're kind of training, leading up to it, and then as soon as the ref turns to you and says, "Are you ready?" Everything's out the door. It turns back into a street <laughs> brawl. You know, it's as if you had hadn't trained at all. And it's a lot. It's the same for a lot of these young guys. It's just. Um, Ring time or field time is so important for somebody to to uh, start to play with poise, start to play with technique when it matters, and uh, th- those are all going to be really important reps for them in the future. Yeah, calm amidst the chaos, right? Yeah, yeah. That's a real skill, whether it's, it's in it's a fight a, or whether you're you're cool under pressure on TV, man. Like as you rest, talking, like, it's like what is, whatever. <laughs> it is. I mean, you call it the fog of war, right? All of a sudden, bullets are flying and. And what you trained and what you thought you'd end up doing and what you're supposed to be doing is all at the window. And you're just like, why is he doing that? I, I don't know. I don't know. There's no really no explanation, but just maybe inexperience. 
All right, I want to bring back the video of Hayden Livingston's stop, and I want you to break <laughs> this down. What, what did you see on this play, and, and what did he do that uh, maybe surprised you or you liked the best? Yeah, it actually, the, it was, uh, there was a, a breakdown in coverage. He, he was actually supposed to switch with the other safety, and uh, he saw that the other safety didn't end up running with the other guy. And uh, so he, he, he adjusted, basically fixed somebody else's mistake and went out to cover him. And he actually had a bad angle and the kid should have scored. But the fact that he was committed to running and, and uh, putting his body on the line and making a face-up tackle and trying to, trying to keep him out was huge. I mean, that's, you know, Hayden this whole season kind of been struggling with just moving over to, to the defensive side of the ball, maybe, maybe missing some tackles earlier in the year that, that uh, um, you know, were – I know for him, embarrassing, like it wasn't him. And, but uh, in that moment, for him to be able to do something like that shows us that he's headed in the right direction, that he has the ability, just needs a little bit more time and practice and, and uh, some development. Well, the eye test is always interesting. And, and using the eye test, talking with the coaches, this defense, it just seems different. It has been different, different energy, especially over this five-game win streak. Why is this defense so different now? Or maybe how is this defense so different now compared to coming off of the losses to Toledo and South Florida? Yeah, I think, I think uh, um, success as a team always, you know, kind of breeds a little bit more confidence in the way that you play. But all of a sudden, um, you know, you're, you come out and you're, you're up against Boise, which the whole year I don't think that we've really ever played from ahead. And so now... Um, when you're used to other teams on the other side just getting into four-minute drill and running the ball, they're actually having to throw the ball to try to move the ball down the field. I mean, it changes the way that you are. And, you know, most of the big plays that end up happening for you on defense are in past situations. And so when we're able to pin our ears back and we're playing with a little more confidence where we know that uh, we've got to keep the ball in front of us and, and uh, we've got to make them earn it instead of, feeling like we got to get the ball back to try to see if we can score again. I mean, just playing from ahead is different, and it's, and it's funner. I mean, I know <laughs> the, uh, the whole team, offensively and defensively, there's a different energy when that's happening. And, um, I mean, really for us on defense, I would, I would credit, um, you know, the way that we're playing on defense to uh, a head coach that's committed to us playing better on defense as well as giving a lot of the credit to the offense. Um, we get a lot of our energy in the way that we're playing, just knowing that the offense is clicking, that they're doing their thing, that they're scoring, and that we're up. Um, I mean, the offense deserves a lot of that credit, but also the head coach does as well. I mean, 42 points in the second quarter should help a defense out mentally, right? I'll take that every Saturday. <laughs> yes. Big time. I know Kalani, too, is a, is a really, really good person and, um, you know, wants to pump the brakes and stuff. And even though, you know, us on the other side of the on, – on the headset, on the contrary, is like – no, let's, you know, let's keep playing. Let's score as many as we can and maybe come out and score half of the third. And, you know, but Galani's a really classy guy and just uh, wants to, wants to uh, you know, give guys uh, opportunities that haven't had the opportunity. And so we really started to pump the brakes pretty early. Um, and it's that's credit to a, a head coach that's just a good good person. Elisa Tuiaki, calm in the chaos, this man right here. <laughs> you want to hang out for like 20 more minutes? Sure. Okay, let's do it. Coach Tuiaki will roll out his defensive MVPs coming up, or his de- defensive MVP, rather. This is Coordinator's Corner on BYU TV. And that, oh, it's picked off. An interception, and maybe J.J. Nwigwe who picked it off. J.J. Nwigwe comes up with the INT. 
Yes, he does. Welcome back to Coordinator's Corner on BYU TV. I'm Spencer Linton alongside BYU Defensive Coordinator Elisa Tuiaki. BYU football winners of five straight after dominating UMass 56-24. Coach, we just saw that interception highlight from J.J. Nwigwe. He told me after the game he couldn't believe it came right to him, uh, but was quick to point out that Kairos Tonga played a, a nice role in that result. Um, what did you see on that specific play? <laughs> It looked like it uh, pinged off his face mask into his chest and right into his hands. <laughs> no, he, he, did, he did a great job. He did a great job. I know that um, all the, I mean, you know, the way that he's given Kyrus credit for something that uh, Kyrus may or may not have affected, and, and it just tells a lot about these, this group, these, these boys. They all love each other. They all want to give each other credit um, out in public and then in the, in the room just when nobody else is looking, they're all kind of making fun of each other and, and rousing each other and just having a good time. And so it's been a, we had a fun, fun group to, uh, to coach for sure. You caused a lot of disruption on Saturday. Why was that? What allowed you to cause so much disruption against UMass? Uh, yeah, I thought that uh, everyone just did their jobs, you know, and um, we still, you know, the way that you guys look at it, we might have, may have uh, caused a lot of disruption, but uh, we missed a lot of big plays. Really, we missed uh, five sacks. We just, you know, let, let the quarterback out and just – uh, one thing, so we we had to do better. I know that as we look at it as coaches, it's all the things that stick out are always the things that we need to correct. We have to do a better job of of uh, making the plays when we're there. Um, but uh, when we are when we are making plays and everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing, then certainly capable of uh, doing a lot of disruptive things. It's always a challenge to create energy on a road, and especially in an environment where you know UMass isn't doing well. They don't bring a lot of fans to the game. But it, it felt like there was energy on the sideline, and certainly for the, the two to 3,000 BYU fans that were there. Um, yeah. Would you attribute that directly to disruptive plays and turnovers? I, I, think, I think there's, uh, there's always several things that you look at. I mean, um, I, I think we travel well. That's, that's always been a fun thing no matter where we go, and we've gone to the East Coast four times now. And, and uh, the way that BYU fans travel is always really exciting. And, uh, you know, we thank those, those fans. If you guys are all listening, thank you for – for being supportive and, and being out there. I mean, uh, BYU fans are, are, are true, and they're, they're really out there, and they do a really good job coming to some of these, some of these venues that we don't think anybody's going to show up to. And so that's been exciting. But also when you're playing well on, on both sides of the ball, um, it, just, it just breeds a little bit more energy, you know. Um, it, it's always fun when you're winning and when you're clicking on, on both sides of the ball. I know you're excited about a lot of the individual performances, but who stood out the most? Who's the defensive MVP from the game against UMass? You know, uh, you can always say Diane because for Diane, it's another day in the office, and he is such a such a tremendous player. But uh, we picked JJ Nwigwe this week. Uh, you know, he had the interception, but he also had a, a big time fourth down stop after um, Hayden Livingston stop on third down. He came out and had, had a tackle and just a really just really good job and. Is a guy, you know, defensive linemen sometimes are like corners where if, you're, if the ball's not thrown to your side, you don't really stick out. You're not a person that really shows up, and that's a good thing for a corner and for a, for a defensive lineman. Um, when, you're, when you're taking up blocks or eating up blocks, holding the whole line of scrimmage and doing those types of things, it really doesn't, nobody sees it. And um, the way that he's played, how stout he's played, um, just what he's brought to the table. We ended up losing Bracken in the, in, really in the first quarter, and J.J. had to, to play. You know, we didn't travel. Some of the other guys like Lorenzo just wanted to see if we can get him healthy. And so we were down a couple of D-tackles, but he stepped up and just, just played a tremendous role all, all day. 
Well, let's talk about Bracken uh, because you bring up his name. What's his status? Uh, how's the injury? And, and can we expect him to play against San Diego State in the bowl game? According to Bracken, he's going to play. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We still haven't heard back, uh, um, you know, still haven't heard back on what it is. And I haven't, haven't talked to the trainers or anything. I think, you know, if, uh, if it's a person that can will himself by his own faith to play, Bracken's a guy that can do it. And so plan on him playing. Yeah, color me shocked that Brackenell back. I mean, if seriously, if that guy could crawl out on the field and compete somehow, he would do it. He can. He 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 will. <laughs> he's, so. he's that type of mentality. Yeah. Now, I asked Coach Land this earlier, but I'd like to hear your thoughts on it uh, as well. How have five straight wins changed the culture of the team, and specifically the defense? You know, um, a lot of times when when you're uh, a lot of times when you're losing, I think you're just. It's uh, from A to Z, you're questioning everything that you're doing, you know, and, and uh, it's not unless you have, uh, you know, deep convictions about, you know, let's stay in the course or doing this or doing this. There's always just questions about what you're doing. Do you need blitz more? Do you need to, you know, do drop eight more? Do you need to do this? Is this guy playing right? Should we change the way they're coaching? There's always questions that are coming up. And so I think that <clears throat> when you're winning and, uh, you know, you're really holding, holding offenses down and you're doing a really good job, some of those questions go away because you start to really feel confident about the way the kids are playing, the calls that you're making, and, and uh, really you can't do wrong when you're, when you're you know, putting up close to 50 points on a team uh, you know, before halftime. And so um, we're definitely you know, building confidence in the offense and the defense um, confidently or looking at each other and putting more trust in each other as far as we'll, we'll go out there and do our deal. We know you're going out there doing your deal and we're winning as a team now. Um, I think a lot of times when you're not winning, uh, there's, there could be mumbling going on on one side of the ball versus the other side saying, oh, you know, we'd have a chance if this guy would do this or these guys would do that. But um, that's, this certainly pulled us together. Um, and not, not to say that it was happening when we were losing, but that's, that's stuff that you're always kind of wary of as a coach is to make sure that you're staying together as a team, that you're playing together as a team. And uh, winning's, winning's been good for us. Yeah, winning culture is definitely more fun, as you, as you brought up. And the culture in Studio B for BYU Sports Nation isn't bad either. A national championship from men's cross country, national runner-up for women's cross country, BYU women's soccer into the Elite Eight, men's soccer with another club national title. You can hear all about those teams and, of course, BYU football and BYU basketball now in Maui. Join us weekdays for your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play, BYU Sports Nation, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Up next, Coach Tuiaki explains what he expects to see from the San Diego State offense on Saturday, his initial scouting report on the Aztecs. You're in the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Coordinator's Corner is brought to you in part by JCW's The Burger Boys. Bailey's Moving and Storage, more than just a move. Siegfried and Jensen, serving Utah families for over 25 years. Great to have you with us on Coordinator's Corner live on BYU TV. Spencer Linton alongside BYU Defensive Coordinator Elisa Tuiaki. Coach, you get 8-3 San Diego State on Saturday. They lose to Hawaii 14-11, to but you're playing at their place in Southern California. What's on top of mind when it comes to the Aztecs after watching some film on them? It's uh, it's going to be a physical game, you know. We've got to we've got to bring our A game. We've got to tackle well. They do a really good job. I think they've got <clears throat> really really good running backs. Um, do a good job just with their schemes. I mean, they they present different problems to you the way that they 
um, play together as a team. I mean, you see some of their, their scores. They don't really score much, but they play great defense. And they control the clock. Um, really a lot like playing an NFL team, just as far as uh, the type of game that you're going to see. And we've got to do a good job uh, tackling and, and bringing their backs down and getting off blocks and, you know, just all those uh, fundamental things that, uh, that you expect with, the, with playing a team that's physical like this. What kind of offense do they run and how does your current scheme match up with it? You know, they're, uh, they're what we would call a pro style, which is they use uh, different personnel groups, uh, you know, two tight ends, three tight ends, a fullback, which we haven't seen too many fullbacks this year. Um, but uh, they do a really good job with just diff uh, different things that they do and, and uh, being committed to running the ball and basing all their offense off of what they do, which is basically running the ball. And so it's, uh, it's different from, from a lot of the, I mean, I can't remember, really remember the last team that we played that was like this, but uh, they definitely posed challenges for us. And, um, you know, teams that have been physical and ran the ball for us uh, against us in the, in the past, at least this year, we've, we haven't uh, had our best run stopping games. So it's gotta be one of those for us that we've really gotta do a good job stopping the run. Now, your senior safety, Austin Lee, and uh, defensive back Chris Wilcox sat out last week against UMass. What's their status for this weekend against San Diego State? Yeah, uh, Austin will be back. I think, you know, Austin for us was a lot like Lorenzo. We, we really wanted to protect those guys because uh, um, really needed them to be healthy this week and didn't want a chance hurting them against UMass uh, because they weren't completely 100%. But I th th those guys will definitely be ready to roll, and Chris is still up in the air whether or not he's going to go or not. But... Uh, uh, we'll definitely have Austin and, and Lorenzo back. Okay, good news for BYU. Now, finally, what's the position matchup that you look forward to most in Saturday's game at San Diego State? It's 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 uh, for teams like this. It's the front matchup. You know, it's um, O line versus D line on both sides of the ball. You know, they're they are a really really good defense. They, uh, Rocky Long's done a good job just with all the defenses that I've seen. At least even even when he was at New Mexico and just uh, different looks, different schemes, but also just tough, tough de uh, defensive linemen. And, uh, you know, we pride ourselves uh, on our side of the ball as well, being, being tough defensively up front. And so it'll, uh, I think it'll, that'll be a fun matchup to watch. It's like uh, when, you're, when you're watching uh, a fight, an MMA fight, there are some people that they're, you're just looking for the, for the knockouts, right? Like, I wanna, let's see some people get knocked out, but there are other people that really enjoy the, the ground game. It's yeah. like, you can see the intricate parts of, of just, just what's going on with jujitsu and all that stuff. And I think this is a lot like it. If you might, may get bored, but I'm a guy that <laughs> when I'm watching a fight. I love watching the grappling and kind of what's going on. It's the same thing. It's um, the boring part of it, which is watching the front go out go after it and some of the techniques that they're seeing and schemes that may not have shown up on film. It's all of a sudden that they're doing that you have to adjust to. In the heat of the moment while you're coaching, how much time do you actually spend on looking at the details because so many things are happening. It kind of feels like this is a film thing, but can you do this in the middle of a game that you're coaching? Not, not technically. Technically, the technical part of the game for us is really you can see what your guys are doing um, wrong, you know, whether you're playing with high, high paddle over, your bad feet, no hands, eyes are wrong, all those types of things. You can, you can see that on our, on, your, on our side, but you can't really see what they're doing on their side until you watch film. And so um, that, that's what makes the game fun on game day. It's uh, trying to get the adjustments from the box. It's like, hey, they're doing this scheme that we didn't see, and they're pulling on this guy, and they're trapping this guy. And uh, in the box, it is so difficult to see um, just in, in the trenches just what the adjustments are. And you go back and you watch film, you're like, oh, 
son of a gun, they were doing this, and I thought it was this. Like, that's, that's fun, fun, fun to be part of. Coach, it's been great to have you. Um, I'm hoping that there's no rain in San Diego for the game. It's going to be rainy when we get down there, but uh, I don't know. Maybe you prefer to play in the rain. You want, you want some rainy at San Diego State? If you want it, then I want it. If you don't, then I don't either. <laughs> you don't. Didn't you already have your fill of uh, rain in San Diego in the Poinsettia Bowl? Yeah, that was, made a bad decision. Came out with no jacket or nothing, just a polo, and I was drenched. <laughs> Coach Lamb's idea. Come on, guys, we're tough. Let's go out with a polo. We all came out, and he had a jacket on. <laughs> he did us like that. So. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Coach, thanks for hanging out, man. Thank you. Great to catch yep, up with great, you. Great to be on. Best Appreciate of luck against San Diego State. All right, that'll do it for this week's edition of Coordinator's Corner. The season finale, for that matter, uh, for Elisa Tuiaki and Ed Lamb. I'm Spencer Linden saying so long from Studio C. We'll see you tomorrow morning on BYU Sports Nation. Go Cougs as they take on the Aztecs this week. Hey, nice work.